Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Beware the Redwood Bureau, a secret organization which captures and researches creatures and objects that defy explanation. Their reckless procedures have led to countless innocent lives lost. I am Agent Conroy. I worked for the Redwood Bureau, but I have escaped them to leak their reports to the unsuspecting public. You have the right to know. In my years with the Redwood Bureau, I've seen the depths to which humanity can sink in the name of progress, profit, or even entertainment. Under the guise of joy and celebration, the darkest deeds are often concealed, their true nature hidden from unsuspecting eyes. One such instance remains etched in my mind, a case that epitomizes the peril of overlooking the shadows beneath the gleam. Consider the allure of joyous festivals, the places where laughter and happiness are expected to reign supreme. These are the settings where, ironically, the most sinister ploys can unfold, masked by the chaos of celebration. It's a pattern I've noticed repeatedly, even before my days at the Bureau. A pattern of malevolence adorned in the garb of merriment. Such was the case with a seemingly magical place that appeared almost overnight, enchanting everyone with its promise of festive magic. This place, a so-called Wonderland, was a marvel to behold. It sprang from obscurity, capturing hearts and imaginations with an ease that was almost supernatural. Families flocked to it, drawn by the promise of experiencing the pinnacle of holiday cheer. But this sparkling facade was precisely that, a facade. Behind the shimmering lights and joyous laughter, a horrifying truth was concealed one that preyed upon the most innocent. The memory of a small town fair from my younger years comes to mind, where the laughter of children concealed an undercurrent of despair. The echoes of their joy drowned out the silent screams that lingered in the air. It was a haunting prelude to the chilling reality I would later confront at the Bureau. This case is a grim reminder of that dichotomy, a place of wonder and joy of laughter and cheer, was nothing more than a front for a malevolence hidden in plain sight. This file, one of countless within the Bureau's archives, reveals the lengths to which some will go to exploit innocence and joy for their own dark purposes. As we delve into the heart of this case, remember that not all is as it seems. 
The brightest lights often cast the darkest shadows, and the most joyous celebrations can, at times, be a facade for something far more sinister. What unfolded in this so-called wonderland was a testament to the unseen horrors that lurk beneath the surface of our most cherished festivities. December 5th, 2023. Ben Hawkins here, starting a new project for the holiday season. I've been tasked with covering Santa's Wonderland, a sensational new Christmas attraction that's got everyone in the city buzzing. It's an exciting change from the usual grind. I'm currently cozied up at home, sipping on hot cocoa and diving into research. The internet is ablaze with posts about this place. People describe it as a magical journey to the North Pole itself. From the twinkling lights to the elves bustling around, it sounds like a festive dream come true. The attraction's centerpiece, of course, is Santa himself. Reviewers rave about how genuine he seems, the ultimate embodiment of Christmas spirit. There's even talk of an enchanted forest inside, where the trees are said to be alive with holiday magic. I'm scrolling through pictures and videos of wide-eyed kids and beaming parents after their visit. It's heartwarming, really. The whole setup seems to transport people to a world where holiday cheer is the only thing that matters. But here's the intriguing part. The company behind Santa's Wonderland is a complete mystery. No one seems to know where they came from or how they managed to set up such an elaborate attraction so quickly. There's an interview lined up tomorrow with some of the visitors. I'm eager to hear their stories firsthand. I'm going to try and sneak a peek at this wonderland myself. Until then, I'll be here, basking in the glow of my Christmas tree, digging a little deeper into this festive phenomenon. Okay, settled back into my chair, I'm scrolling through countless forum posts and social media threads each brimming with first-hand accounts of Santa's Wonderland. It's fascinating how no phones or photography policy has only added to the allure. Without visual proof, the stories take on a life of their own, each retelling unique and more fantastic than the last. One account in particular stands out. A mother describes the transformation in her usually introverted son. She talks about how he opened up, his eyes sparkling with unbridled joy as he interacted with the elves and other characters. She mentions a real reindeer, one that nuzzled her son as if it knew him. It's the kind of detail that feels too magical to be true, yet the sincerity in her words is unmistakable. Another post from a grandfather recounts the incredible snow. Soft, cold, and apparently real. He jokes about how it was the first time he'd seen snow that didn't turn to slush within minutes in our city. It's these little details, these snippets of wonder that paint a picture of a place that's more magic than seasonal attraction. I jot down notes, circling back to the recurring themes, the authenticity of the experience, the warmth of the characters, the transformative nature of the place. It's a narrative goldmine, my article is shaping up to be more than just a puff piece. There's depth here, 
a genuine emotional connection that people are making with this wonderland. As night falls, the glow of my computer screen is the only light in the room. I'm lost in thought, piecing together the puzzle. There's something almost otherworldly about the whole thing. A place that appears overnight, captures the hearts of all who enter, and then disappears, leaving behind only memories and a sense of longing. Tomorrow may bring something new and exciting. I've been emailing Santa's workland in hope of getting a formal interview, or at least some time with management or even staff members. It's a chilly morning, the kind where you can see your breath taking form in the air. I'm huddled over my laptop, a steaming mug of coffee by my side, going over my notes for today's interviews. I'm actually excited. I've managed to line up interviews with the few employees who have agreed to talk. It wasn't easy. Most are tight-lipped, sticking to a script about maintaining the magic for visitors. But a few, seemingly intrigued by the prospect of a feature article, are willing to share their experiences. As I prepare, I can't help but feel a mix of anticipation and slight nervousness. These interviews are my chance to get an inside look at what makes Santa's Wonderland so special. I've got a list of questions, but more than anything, I'm eager to hear their stories. What drew them to work at this place? Their most memorable moments? The behind-the-scenes magic that the public doesn't get to see? One interviewee, a young woman named Emily, who plays one of the elves, mentioned in her email that she has stories that would make me believe in Christmas. Her words echo in my mind. What secrets does this wonderland hold? Another, a gentleman named Tom who works in logistics, hinted at the meticulous planning and incredible effort that goes into creating the wonderland. I'm particularly keen to speak with him. The logistics of setting up such a massive, intricate attraction overnight must be a story in itself. I jot down a few last-minute questions, ensuring I cover all bases. The human element, the logistics, the creation of the magic. I want to capture it all. This article could be something special. A piece that not only entertains, but also pulls back the curtain on a world few get to see. As I check my microphone and ensure my internet connection is stable, a sense of anticipation builds within me. This isn't just another article, it's an exploration into a world that captivates and mystifies. It's about uncovering the truth behind Christmas magic. So, this morning, I interview those employees, Tom and Emily. Their stories about working at the Wonderland were, well, enchanting but also kind of, I don't know, scripted? Emily gushed about the magical snowy forest and the elves guiding visitors to Santa's workshop, while Tom could only go on and on about how hard their staff worked to make the world a better place. The more I think about it, the more these interviews feel rehearsed, like they're reading off company-approved notes. They hadn't been questioning it before, but now I'm really curious. What's going on behind this jolly, festive facade? Okay, so, I did a bit of digging on the company behind Santa's Wonderland. I already kinda knew this, but not to this degree. There's hardly anything about them online. 
No history, no digital footprints, just this overnight sensation of a Christmas attraction. I couldn't even find any LLC, corporation, or business license directly tied to Santa's Wonderland. And then, as the day was winding down, this mysterious email pops up in my inbox. Someone claiming to have the inside scoop on Santa's Wonderland, and they're offering me a chance to see what's really happening behind the scenes. They're talking about a hidden side to this Wonderland, something they say I need to see for myself. I've been scouring social media, and it's the same pattern. Glowing reviews, but no substance. It's all surface-level enchantment. I even reached out to a few more supposed employees, but the conversations were like echoes of the first two. Vague, overly positive, and eerily similar. It's as if there really is a company script they're all following. I got another message from my anonymous tipster. They're really insistent that I see what's happening behind the curtain. They said they've hidden an employee ID and uniform behind a dumpster near their rear entrance. With that, I can supposedly swipe it at the employee entrance and walk right in. I've got to admit, I'm a little excited. I've gone from writing about holiday puff piece to planning a covert op in Santa's HQ. Not exactly what I had in mind when I received this assignment, but here we are. So, tomorrow, I go in. Not as a wide-eyed visitor, but as an employee, a mole in the heart of the Christmas mystery. Maybe I'll find nothing but exhausted staff and piles of tinsel, or maybe we pull the threads at a bigger mystery. Stepping through the employee entrance felt like crossing into an alternate reality. The uniform and badge were right where our mysterious emailer said they'd be. But the festive facade of Santa's Wonderland, so full of life and laughter, was abruptly replaced by a sterile, almost clinical atmosphere. I felt like an intruder, tiptoeing in a world I wasn't meant to see. The first hallway was narrow and dimly lit, a stark contrast to the vibrantly decorated fronts with the line of excited parents and children around the block. My heart was racing, every sense heightened. I was acutely aware of how out of place I must have looked. If anyone spotted me, I had no plausible explanation for being there. I wasn't even sure what I'd say if questioned. As I moved cautiously, I could hear the low hum of computers and the murmur of hushed conversations. Peering into a room, I saw rows of employees intensely focused on their screens. They were scrutinizing social media profiles, cross-referencing them against some kind of database. Their expressions were serious, methodical, as if they were on a vital mission. What struck me was the absence of any cheer or happiness. This was a cold, calculated operation. It looked more like a scene you'd find at a CIA facility than a holiday attraction. I ducked into an adjoining room and found myself facing a wall of monitors. They displayed various areas of the park, each feed showing families enjoying the Wonderland. But here, behind the scenes, employees watched them with an unsettling intensity. It wasn't casual surveillance. This was targeted observation. It looked to me like they were seeking something specific among the throngs of visitors. 
My skin crawled as I realized the extent of the surveillance. Every smile, every laugh of the visitors was being analyzed and dissected. This was far beyond security. Further down the hall, I noticed a door slightly ajar, leading to a darker space beyond. Gathering my courage, I edged closer and slipped inside. The room was filled with bizarre equipment, wires snaking across the floor, leading to machines that looked out of place in a Christmas-themed attraction. The air had a strange tang, a mix of chemicals and something else. Something organic. As I looked around the room trying to understand what I was seeing, my thoughts were interrupted by a sudden movement. One of the operators had entered the room, their eyes locking with mine. For a moment, time stood still. My heart pounded in my chest, my mind racing for an excuse, a reason for my presence. But before I could speak, the operator's expression changed from suspicion to something else. Something chilling. It was a look of recognition, not of me, but of what I represented. An unwelcome witness to a dark secret. As we stood there, locked in a silent standoff, I saw his hand move towards his walkie. Panic surged within me. I couldn't let him call this in. Without fully understanding what I was doing, I lunged at him. The collision was far more forceful than I intended. We crashed to the ground, a tangle of limbs and desperation. The back of his head smashed against the edge of the concrete wall with a sickening wet crack. For a moment, everything froze. I stared at the man lying motionless, blood pooling beneath his head. Had I just killed him? My mind raced, torn between horror at what I had done and the instinct to escape. I fumbled with his walkie, my hands shaking. That's when I heard it, a voice from the other end cold and detached. I think we found the perfect offering. Offering? The word echoed in my mind, laden with sinister implications. What were they doing here? What was this place? In a daze, I dragged the operator's body into a dark corner, concealing it behind a table. My actions felt mechanical, driven by a primal urge to survive. I had crossed a line, and there was no turning back. The walkie-talkie, still clutched in my hand, crackled again with hushed tones, discussing logistics and timings. I couldn't make sense of it all, but the underlying intent was clear. Something bad was happening here. There was no way this place was just a festive attraction. With my heart pounding in my chest, I turned away from the room and ventured deeper into the facility. Each step was heavier than the last, a mix of dread feuding with determination pushing me forward. I had to find out the truth, to uncover what lurked beneath the cheerful facade of Santa's Wonderland. If I was wrong, I had just… I steeled myself, knowing that whatever I was about to uncover, it would change everything. It had to change everything. I was no longer just a journalist writing some meaningless story. I was a witness to a sinister plot. And with each step, 
the reality of what I had done, the potential cost of my actions, weighed heavily on me. But I had to keep going. I had to know. And so, deeper into the heart of Santa's wonderland I went, into the shadows of its true nature. Every employee I passed, every glance in my direction sent a jolt of fear through me. I was a trespasser, but I couldn't be discovered. The deeper I ventured, the more strange the clinical, almost surgical environments became. Hallways lined with doors marked in strange symbols, the faint sound of machinery humming from behind closed doors, and the occasional murmur of hushed conversations. As I moved through the corridors, I noticed more and more peculiarities. Rooms with reinforced doors, strange equipment being transported by staff who moved with purpose and silence. There was a sense of urgency in the air, a sense that something big, something critical was underway. And then, I saw it. A room unlike any other, Togard standing out front. The label on the door read, Central Operation Chamber. My gut told me that whatever was behind that door was the key to all of this. I waited for the guard to pass before making my move. As soon as they walked away, I heard the heavy metal bar causing the door to hiss and slide open. I slipped in, finding myself in a room lined with monitors. Rows of employees sat in front of them, their eyes locked on the screens, displaying different parts of the facility. It was like a high-tech surveillance center, watching every corner, every visitor with thousands of switches and buttons in front of them. I kept to the shadows, trying to make sense of what I was seeing. The employees were monitoring the guests, but there was a pathological detachment to it. I overheard snippets of conversation. Subject 17 is responding well. Increase the stimulus in Sector 3. We've got a potential candidate in Group 9. I felt a chill run down my spine. What was this place? A lab? An experiment? The pieces weren't fitting together, but the picture they were starting to form was deeply unsettling. My heart skipped a beat as a security guard walked past the room and closed the door. I slid against the wall, barely breathing until it shut with the hiss and a metal clank. Every second there was a risk. Every step deeper into this facility felt like a step closer to my own incarceration. On the screens, I saw the inside of the Wonderland, the festive areas, the joyful visitors, but it was the other screens that held my attention. They showed rooms I hadn't seen, rooms where people, no, not just people, pairs of mothers and children were being subtly guided away, moving deeper into the facility through a series of hidden passageways and manipulated environmental cues. The employees operated the switches and buttons with practice ease, changing the attraction in real time. I felt a surge of horror and disbelief. This wasn't just a theme park, it was something far more sinister. And I was in the heart of it, a witness to a horror that I couldn't yet fully grasp. My hands trembled as I pulled out my phone and started to record. I had to expose this. 
had to show the world what was happening here. This was beyond any festive cheer. It was a nightmare unfolding in front of my eyes, hidden behind the mask of a Christmas paradise. I turned to leave, my mind reeling with what I'd just witnessed. Through the small frosted window in the door, the corridor outside seemed deserted, but I knew I wasn't alone. I was deep in the belly of this fake wonderland, and escaping unnoticed was going to be a challenge. But I had to get out. I had to let the world know the truth. With my hand on the metal door, waiting for the right moment when everything was clear, my mind was a whirlwind of fear and confusion. What I had just witnessed was beyond comprehension, and I wasn't sure what to do next. Should I leave now and go to the police? Or did I need more evidence? But before I could decide, a loud noise behind me made me freeze in my tracks. The metal wall on the opposite side of the room began to open, coming apart at the middle and sliding into the ceiling and floor, revealing a thick reinforced glass wall. Through it, I could see a dark room, its contents hidden in shadows. Almost all the screens in the control room switched to different angles, focusing on a mother and her child, about 10 years old. They were walking through the wonderland, admiring the festive decorations oblivious to the fact that their path was subtly shifting, guiding them towards a specific destination. I found myself drawn back to the observation area, my phone still recording in my hand. I had completely forgotten about it in my shock. As I approached the glass, I was so absorbed in what I was witnessing that I didn't notice the employee approaching me from behind until he patted me on the back, startling me out of my reverie. Don't let management see you recording, he whispered, taking out his phone and holding it against his chest in an inconspicuous manner. Hold it like this. This is my favorite part too. His eyes were fixed on the observation window, a twist in anticipation in his voice. I felt a chill run down my spine. What was about to happen? My heart was pounding so hard, I could barely breathe. I looked at the screens, my gaze following the mother and child as they walked, unknowingly towards their fates. As my eyes switched between the screens and the cold glass obscuring its contents in darkness, my head was buzzing. I don't know what was about to happen, but everyone was now working diligently on something. On the screens, fairy lights twinkled in a hallway, once enchanting, now appeared to me as sinister guides leading the unsuspecting mother and her son deeper into a twisted labyrinth. They followed the lights with an air of cautious curiosity, unaware of what awaited them. The hallway seemed to stretch and contort, its festive decorations morphing into something more foreboding. The further they walked, the more the atmosphere thickened with an ominous sense of dread. The air was heavy charged with an unseen malevolence that seemed to seep from the very cold metal wall surrounding me. As they reached the end of the hallway, a heavy door previously hidden swung shut behind them with a resounding, echoing slam. They spun around, their faces etched with confusion and fear, their festive joy extinguished in an instant. The room they found themselves in was vast and dark. 
the only light coming from a dim, flickering bulb overhead. Slowly, the lights began to intensify, revealing the chamber's true horror. In the center laid a grotesque abomination, a mass of flesh and eyes, pulsating and undulating in a sickening rhythm. It was a living nightmare, an amalgamation of tumorous growths and writhing appendages. Its many eyes, unblinking and soulless, fixated on the new arrivals with a hungry anticipation. The mother's instinctive reaction was to shield her son, to turn and flee from this abomination. She grabbed him, backing against the unforgiving metal wall, but before she could react, metallic restraints shot from the walls, ensnaring her waist and torso, pinning her helplessly against the cold steel. Her son clung to her, his small body shaking with terror. The creature, with a grotesque, almost playful deliberateness, extended a sickening appendage toward the boy. It was a fleshy, misshapen limb, ending in a grotesque facsimile of a hand that more closely resembled a crab's claw. The mother's screams were gut-wrenching, filled with an agony and terror that was palpable. She fought against her bonds with a desperate strength, but it was futile. With a swift, horrifying motion, the creature's appendage wrapped around the boy. mother's screams reached a fever pitch as her child was torn from her arms. The creature lifted him towards its gaping maw, a cavernous pit of darkness lined with rows of jagged, uneven teeth. I stood frozen, my mind unable to fully comprehend the barbarity unfolding before me. The creature's mouth opened wide and with a grotesque wet sound, the reed hung slipped out, enveloping the boy. He screamed as he pulled him in before a resounding, sickening crunch echoed out. A sound that will haunt my nightmares for the rest of my life. The mother's wails turned to choked sobs, her body going limp in the restraints. Two emotionless employees emerged from a hidden door, moving with a clinical efficiency. They injected the mother with a substance that rendered her unconscious almost instantly. As her body slumped further, they released the restraints with a press of a button on a table and secured her to a cart before rolling her away. Her fate unknown but undoubtedly grim. The observation window began to close, cutting off my view of the chamber. I staggered back, my mind reeling, my stomach churning with revulsion and despair. The room around me, initially a center of clinical observation, now a calculated hub of unnatural evil and murder. The employee still standing next to me oblivious to my inner turmoil, clapped me on the back again, his voice disturbingly nonchalant. Gotta keep the boss fed, right? That was a good one, huh? He's feeling spunky today. He chuckled darkly <laughs> and walked away, leaving me alone in spiraling horror. I stumbled out of the room, 
my thoughts a whirlwind of terror and confusion. The festive cheer outside was a grotesque facade, a mask unwinding in unspeakable evil. I needed to get this footage out to expose this nightmare to the world. As I made my way through the facility, retracing my steps, every sound, every shadow filled me with dread. I emerged into the cold night air, the festive lights of Santa's wonderland now more sinister than possible with the knowledge of the true horror within. My mind raced with questions. Who is behind this? How could something so monstrous exist hidden in plain sight? And most importantly, how could I expose this atrocity? Would anyone even believe it? I ran down the street, the weight of what I had witnessed bearing down on me. I needed to find somewhere safe, somewhere I could process the footage and get it to someone who can make a difference. But as I reached my car, a sinking realization hit me. I was now a witness to something far beyond anything I'd ever imagined. I was a witness to a horror that defied understanding. A horror that needed to be brought to light, no matter the cost. There's no telling how many more kids they'd feed to that thing if I didn't do something. Warning, signal interruption detected. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more light-hearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Alex, and these will probably be my last words. If you're hearing this, then either I've escaped, or more likely, they've found me. I was born into a lineage as ancient as it is dark, a lineage serving the Devourer, a being our ancestors believed would bring about the end of the world if not appeased. 
I grew up instilled with tales of our sacred duty, stories passed down through generations. We were the guardians, the keepers of balance, protecting the world from an unspeakable fate. The Devourer, as our elders called it, was not just a creature, it was a force of nature, a necessary evil that required sustenance to keep the world in order. Our methods have changed over the centuries, adapting alongside society's evolution. Long ago, my ancestors lurked in shadows, in places forgotten by time. But as the world grew more connected, so too did our approach evolve. We had to find new ways to feed the Devourer, new ways to fulfill our ancient oath. As I grew older, I began to understand the enormity of our task. We were the last line of defense against the Devourer's wrath. However, as time went on, I started to question the stories and the beliefs that fueled our existence. Were we guardians or captives of a tradition born from misbelief? When the idea of Santa's Wonderland was conceived, it was heralded as a revolutionary step. It was perfect, a way to feed the Devourer while remaining hidden in plain sight. Our leaders said it was the culmination of our efforts, a blend of ancient ritual and modern spectacle, something we could put to use over and over. And I, eager to prove my loyalty and intrigued by the plan, volunteered to be part of it. Santa's Wonderland was a masterpiece of manipulation. Every detail was meticulously crafted, from the viral marketing campaigns to the enchanting setup. It drew crowds far more than we had anticipated. Families and children all poured in, oblivious to the true nature of what they were walking into. I was assigned to the backstage, the real operation behind the festive facade. My job was to monitor the visitors, identifying those who met not only the Devourer's specific requirements, but ours as well. It was a cold, clinical process, far removed from the joy and celebration on the other side of the walls. I remember the day I first saw the Devourer up close. It was nothing like I had imagined. It wasn't some noble being. It was an abomination of flesh and darkness, a living nightmare. Seeing it consume was, it's something that haunts me, an image I can't shake off. That was the moment my doubts turned into something more. The moment I realized I couldn't be part of this anymore. The days following my encounter with the Devourer were a blur. The horror of what I had seen clashed with the indoctrination of a lifetime. But, deep down, I knew I couldn't stand idly by. That's when I stumbled upon Ben's inquiries about Santa's Wonderland a journalist looking for a story. It was the opportunity I needed, a chance to expose the truth. It was during one of my late-night surveillance shifts when I first overheard management talking about Ben's inquiries, a curious journalist unaware of the abyss he was peering into. He had no clue what he was getting into, but maybe, just maybe, he was the key to exposing this nightmare. I made the decision then, 
a decision that sealed my fate. I reached out to Ben under the guise of an anonymous tipster. Each message I sent was a whisper of rebellion, a crack in the facade we had so meticulously built. When I finally stole and hid the ID card and uniform, it was more than just a simple act. It was my silent plea for redemption. In the days that followed, I watched with a mixture of fear and hope as Ben delved into the heart of the facility. His shock at the revelation of the devourer, the horror in his eyes as he witnessed the unthinkable. It was a reflection of my own journey, from a blind follower to a man haunted by his conscience. I knew my actions would not go undiscovered. The cult was vigilant, its reach far, and its influence vast. But in those final days, as I prepared for the inevitable, I found a strange sense of peace. I had finally stood up against the darkness, even if it meant my end. I am not evil. As the days blurred into one another, the weight of my betrayal grew heavier. Every glance from a fellow cultist felt like an accusation. Every whispered conversation a potential plot to unearth my treachery. The world I had known, the faith I had been forced into, crumbled around me. I knew I couldn't escape the cult's retribution. They were everywhere, their devotion to the devourer unshakable. But in the heart of that relentless machine, I found a sliver of hope. Ben's recordings, his shock and horror at the truth, I hoped they were out there now, even if in a small, almost imperceptible way. I spent my last free moments in the shadows of the facility, watching the joyous facade of Santa's Wonderland continue unabated. The laughter of the visitors and the cheerful music all felt grotesquely surreal against the backdrop of what I had helped to create. In these final hours, I record my confession, a message left in the hope that someone, someday, might find it. My voice, once firm in the teachings of the cult, now wavers under the spotlight of truth. I speak of the devourer, the twisted ceremonies, and the innocence lost to our monstrous guardian. I speak of my complicity, of our combined silence that has allowed this horror to continue. As I hide the recording in a place that hopefully someone will find, I hear the approach of heavy footsteps. They know. There is nowhere to run, and no amount of pleading that will save me now. The cult demands loyalty, and I have broken their cardinal rule. In this final moment, I won't see the faces of my executioners, only the shadows they cast. There will be no anger in their eyes, only a cold resolve. I've become a liability, a threat to the order of things. As they come to take me away, I thought of Ben, of the visitors to the Wonderland, blissfully unaware of the abyss that lay beneath their feet. But my hope lives on in the truth I helped reveal. I can only pray it will be enough to bring an end to this nightmare.
the shadowed corridors of the Redwood Bureau's archives exists this file marked RBP-9925, and many like it, thought among the agents to be linked, referred to as a devourer case. The details contained within these pages are a testament to the Bureau's ceaseless hunt for knowledge and power. But this case does not sit alone within those archives. Many other files linked throughout the years paint a much broader and more horrific picture. The Devourer, as it came to be known colloquially within the Bureau, is an entity of ancient origin and insatiable hunger. Its existence, spanning centuries, has been a closely guarded secret, one maintained by a devoted and secretive cult. These followers, some driven by fear, others by misguided reverence, believe that the creature's appetite for innocence must be sated to avert cataclysmic events on Earth. Whether this belief holds any truth remains a subject of debate and investigation within the Bureau. Over the years, this cult has evolved, becoming adept at concealing their dark deeds behind facades of joy and celebration. Santa's Wonderland was their latest, most effective endeavor yet, a trap set with a glittering illusion of holiday cheer. Here, the devourer fed, its banquet hidden from the world's eyes by meticulous planning and manipulation. But, as with all secrets, the truth yearns to break free. It found its unlikely herald in Ben Hawkins, a local journalist whose initial intrigue led him down a path of horrific discovery. His recordings, captured in a state of shock and disbelief, could have been the key to exposing the devourer and its cult. But the Bureau, ever watchful, stepped in. In the wake of Ben's escape from the Santa's Wonderland, the Bureau acted swiftly. Ben's attempts to reach out, to unveil his findings, were intercepted. In the dead of night, agents secured him, dragging him away to a location far from prying eyes. His fate, like knowledge of the Wonderland itself, sealed within the Bureau's merciless walls. As for the Devourer, its whereabouts remain a chilling mystery. Without a trace left behind, save for the fond yet oblivious memories of its visitors, it vanished into obscurity once more. The cult that serves it surely continues their dark vigil, their beliefs as strong as ever. As for the bereaved parents taken away by the cult, their fate remains definitively unknown. Although based on my own research and the Bureau's findings, it's safe to assume the cult disposed of them in one way or another. The Bureau's cleanup was, as always, thorough, leaving no trace of the nightmare that unfolded within the walls of Santa's Wonderland, digital or otherwise. But the story does not end here. The Devourer, a presence of ancient hunger, will surely resurface. Its cult, as always, continues to toil in the shadows, their devotion unbroken. And within the Bureau, the debate rages on. How to combat a threat that is as much a part of our world's hidden fabric as it is a devourer of innocence. For now, Redwood Bureau Phenomenon 9925 remains open, a haunting reminder of the unseen dangers lurking within every corner of our world. As we go about our lives, wrapped in the comfort of the known, let us not forget the danger and destruction caused by the unknown. For in the archives of the Redwood Bureau, the line between myth and reality is not just thin, 
It is a battleground littered with civilian casualties. Civilian casualties. casualties.